If, uh, if you want to, uh, uh, after the service, if you want to uh, uh, have some resources to help you grow uh, or have some maybe conversations around the meal table or uh, just uh, further questions yourself, uh, these are available at the back and they're also available on YouTube and on the podcast when they go live at four o'clock this afternoon. Um, Last week we uh, started our Epiphany series um, and we explained or we learned that the word Epiphany is like one of those light bulb moments when you realize something or, or, or when you realize what someone or something is for the first time. And uh, we are calling this series Jesus, Man of Mystery as we attempt the task of allowing scripture to reveal to us who Jesus is. And so last week we took a bit of a deep dive into the account of the Magi and Herod, and we particularly looked at their contrasting responses to Christ. Um, So we had the uh, Magi for whom Jesus was a treasure who was worth pursuing. Uh, To Herod, Jesus was a threat to be removed. And I also introduced this third option that Jesus can be a some sort of a trinket that we we take out of the junk drawer, we use him as we need him, and then we put him away safe and contained until we next need him. And so I asked, you know, the question to all of us, which is he to you? Is he a treasure to pursue? Is he a threat to remove? Or is he a trinket for you to use? Uh, our central text for this series that will, um, that, that will take us up to the start of Lent is 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. Let's read it all together. Uh, The knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Let's read it all again. Hopefully you can read it in that font one more time. The knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And I pray that as we meditate on this man of mystery, this Jesus Christ, that we will encounter the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in Jesus' face. And I pray that it will be like the morning sun rising over the dark spaces and places of our lives, that his face uh, will warm our lives as we get to know him better. That's my prayer, and I hope it's your prayer as well. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. This is uh, John chapter 1, starting at verse 43, if you want to follow along. In your Bibles, John chapter 1, verse 43. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. "Uh, Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. 
He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending or ascending and descending on the Son of Man. John chapter 1, 43 to 51. Now, before we continue, let's point out what we see here. This will help us keep on track as we move through the passage. First, Jesus approaches Philip and makes this invitation. He says, follow me. Second, Philip then approaches Nathaniel and says, Jesus is the one. Nathaniel responds with skepticism to which Philip says, come and see. So we've got Jesus saying to Philip, follow me. Then we've got uh, Philip saying to Nathaniel, come and see. And finally, the circle is completed with Nathaniel accepting Philip's invitation, going to Jesus himself, encountering Jesus and saying, in effect, I believe. This really is how the gospel has been spreading for 2,000 years. Jesus calls you. He says, follow me. You then tell another person. You say, come and see. They meet Jesus for themselves and they say, I believe. So now that the general flow of the passage is clear, let's take a look at who Philip is. Verse verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. So who is Philip? Well, the One of the Bible dictionaries uh, says this. Philip, the apostle, was called to follow Jesus on the day following the call of Andrew and Simon Peter. And we'll be looking at that next week. And was instructed in bringing Nathaniel to follow him. It's not the largest entrance in a dictionary for someone. Not a lot is said. We also know that Philip was one of the twelve. And in the lists of the apostles in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, known as the Synoptics, um, he's placed fifth in order. Okay, it's all, you know, we read a book when I was younger about how birth order is important. And, you know, if you're the oldest and the middle or the youngest, then it kind of has an impact on who you are as a person. Well, this isn't Philip's necessarily birth order, but this is the order that he's placed in the lists. And so we have, for an example, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, that says, these are the names of the, of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So here we see that Philip is one of the 12, and there are also other references to him in, in the gospel. He was there at the feeding of the 5,000. He was clearly wired for mathematics because he tells Jesus that it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. That's John 6, 7. We also see Philip in action in John 12, verse 2. Now, there were some Greeks uh, John twelve twenty. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was who was from Bethsaida in in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told. Uh, sorry, Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. So Philip went to tell Andrew, and then both of them went to tell Jesus. So Philip, I, he seems a little bit nervous there. You know, he. He brings someone along with him to go and tell Jesus, but he also seems to have a, a knack of linking people with Jesus Christ. And this obviously plays into our text today, as he is the one who points Nathaniel towards Jesus, who says, come and see. Philip has a natural knack 
for connecting people to Jesus. And this is kind of cool because often for people uh, who are on their spiritual journey, what is often lacking um, as they're trying to make sense of life is someone who can make the introduction to Jesus for them. If someone has no idea even where to start, they need someone to help them make the connection. And if you've been following Jesus for years, maybe things that are second nature to you, things like reading your Bible or praying, might be completely foreign to someone else. And they might need you, I don't know, to maybe get them a Bible in a translation that they understand. For example, the NIV or the NLT. You see, people are hungry, but they don't know where the soup kitchen is. Your job is to make the connection to show them where to go. This, uh, this, this, this writer n- named Daniel Tambiraja Niles said this, that evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread to make the connection. And Philip was a connector. We see that in John chapter 12 with the Greeks. We see it in John chapter 1 verse 25 with his invitation to Nathaniel to come and see Jesus. We also see him being used in this way in Acts where God used him to um, help the Ethiopian eunuch um, understand the passage in Isaiah that pointed to Jesus. So Philip valued connections. Uh, we even see this in John 14, where he asks Jesus this question, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip wanted Jesus con- to connect him to the Father, and Jesus says, I'm enough. And so Philip seems to have been wired as a connector to long for a deeper connection uh, with the Lord himself, as well as to naturally connect others to God. Verse 44 of John chapter 1 says to us that Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And all this means, as we read this, is that Jesus was already in the area. He's already recruited Andrew and Simon Peter, as we'll look at next week. But the next day, he plans to leave for Galilee. And before he leaves, while he's in town, he also manages to snap up Philip with these two simple words, follow me. You see, Jesus is starting to build his crew. First, Andrew and Simon Peter, who were brothers, and now Philip, the connector as well. And straight away, Philip goes into connection mode. He goes and finds Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see said Philip. Now verse 45 tells us that Philip found Nathanael. This word found is important. In fact, it shows up as as, uh, we can see five times in five verses. Verse Verse 41, Andrew finds Simon and says to Simon, also in verse 41, we have found the Messiah. Verse 43, Jesus finds Philip. Verse 45, Philip then finds Nathanael and tells Nathanael again in verse 45 that we found the, the one that Moses 
wrote about. So we've got finds, found, finds, found, found. That's five times in five verses. This word is important. And it seems to me that when we look at the word found, there's a certain amount of intentionality going on there, meaning that this wasn't an accident. Jesus didn't stumble upon, or Philip didn't stumble upon. Andrew finds Simon because he was looking for him and they find the Messiah because they were looking for him. Jesus finds Philip because he was looking for him and Philip finds Nathaniel because he was looking for him and they find the one that Moses was writing about because they were looking for him. This brings to mind uh, this verse in, in, oh, there it is, all of the finds. This, but this brings to mind this uh, verse in Song of Songs, chapter 3, that the watchmen found me as they made their rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found the one my heart loves. Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. All of this to say there are people who are looking, who are hungry, who are longing, who want to find Jesus and who want to be found by him, but maybe they don't know it yet. And sometimes all they need is for someone to care enough to show them to make the connection. Because they don't necessarily know who they're looking for. All they have is a sense and a longing, you know, this sort of God-shaped hole. Nathaniel was looking for the Messiah, but he didn't know that the Messiah was Jesus. He needed Philip to say to him, this is the one that we've been looking for. That one that you've been hungry for, I've met him. And you have people in your life who want to find Jesus, but they won't unless you make the connection for them. And it's not always going to be a smooth ride, right? Philip's initial connection with Nathaniel was met with skepticism. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. And sometimes as we tell people about Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, we may well be met with skepticism or doubt. Are you sure that Jesus is the one? What about all the competing worldviews? How do you know that your way is the right way? Who are you to say that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? Just like Nathaniel, we will encounter people who have their hang-ups. For Nathaniel, his hang-up was Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? For others, it might be truth claims or specifics in the Bible that they have questions or doubts over. For many, nowadays, it might be issues like maybe being pro-life or pro-marriage. But note Nathaniel's response. He didn't argue, hey, actually, Nazareth's not such a bad place to be. Once you know Nazareth, you would understand that it's actually an okay place for the Messiah to come from. He didn't say, here's five reasons why um, it would make sense for the Messiah to come from Nazareth. Instead, he did the wisest thing he could do. He said, come and see. He said, come and meet Jesus for yourself and then make up your mind. And when we're sharing Jesus with our friends, we can feel like sometimes we have to have all of the answers to all of the questions, even before we start to make ourselves available for the Lord to use us with our friends. Now, don't get me wrong. It's good to know apologetics. It's good to know the reasons for faith. It's good to know answers to questions that people may have. 
My uh, younger brother, Josh, who's, uh, who's a street preacher in Wales, he's going into churches in South Wales to train young people to know these answers before they go to university, before they leave home. So it's good to know these answers, but it's also okay to have the freedom to say, hey, I don't know the answer to your specific question or the response to your specific doubt, but why not come and meet Jesus for yourself? See what he's like and then draw your own conclusions. Now, of course, we can't actually physically introduce people to Jesus because he's not here in a physical way. He's physically in heaven waiting for the final coming together of the new heavens and the new earth. So he's not here, but he is in here. He is in the Bible. And the Bible is the word of God in paper that reveals Jesus, the word of God in flesh. This is why it's good to have a little Bible like this, or maybe a Gospel of John that you can hand to a seeking friend. This is why it's good to maybe have the Bible app installed on your phone, because then you can lead your friend on a journey as you follow a Bible study completely free altogether. And I know that Enya is doing this with one of her friends. And so this leads us to this moment when Nathaniel encounters Jesus for himself. Remember that Jesus has called Philip to follow me. Philip has told Nathaniel to come and see. And now Jesus and now Nathaniel and Jesus meet in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, Nathaniel eventually became one of the 12 apostles called by Jesus, along with Philip, who we've already met. And in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Nathaniel is probably referred to by his last name known as Bartholomew, which means son of Ptolemy. And this is why when you look at the lists of the disciples of the apostles, you don't see the name Nathaniel in the various lists because he's being called by his last name. And so though we can't be 100% sure, it seems very reasonable that Nathaniel in the Gospel of John is known as Bartholomew in the other Gospels. It's just that Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, refer to him by his last name or his patronymic. I'm just going to grab a little bit of water. Almost took a drink out of the mic there. And earlier I mentioned how, uh, how Philip was listed fifth in the list of apostles, while Nathaniel or Bartholomew, or if you want his full name, you can call him Nathaniel Bartholomew. That's a fun name to learn when you're young at school, right? What's your name, Joe? What's your name, Sid? What's your name, Nathaniel Bartholomew? That would take quite a while, I think. But uh, he's, 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 he's listed right next to Philip in the list, uh, and he's sixth, like uh, here. These are the twelve. He appointed Simon, whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, uh, and then Bartholomew, or as we know him, Nathaniel, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So I love that the gospel accounts list the twelve closest to Jesus, and that in that list, 
Nathaniel and Philip are listed next to each other over and over again. They fit together. Now, now we've just had to do a little bit of investigative work to find out who Nathaniel was, right? We had to go through the different accounts and make the connections that Nathaniel was also Bartholomew. But the next thing uh, we find out is that Jesus knew who Nathaniel was even before he met him. We had to do investigation. We had to find out Jesus already knew who he was. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Isn't that incredible? You just think about that, that here's Philip who, who's ready to go to his friend and Jesus already knew, already saw him ahead of time. And as we go to our friends to share with them about Jesus, we can be confident that Jesus is going ahead of us, that Jesus knows them. In fact, this is one of the truths that can really grab their attention. If you're wanting to share Jesus with someone, if you're wanting to share the gospel, this is one of the truths that can really grab them, that Jesus knows them, that we can say to them, Jesus knows you. He knows what you're like. He knows what you are going through. He knows what you need. And he knew that I be talking to you today about him. We can say that with a large amount of confidence that Jesus knew that I'd be talking to you about him today. That's rather compelling. And and like I said earlier, they can't meet Jesus face to face like Nathaniel could, but as you open the word of God to them and as they encounter Jesus, the word in the word of God, It's as if Jesus is speaking to them himself. They will be shocked and surprised at how personal and how relevant the word of God is. It's as if he already knows them. It's as if he already knows what's going on in their lives. When they read that verse that just speaks to them, it's as if he already knows. And that's because he does. Through the inspired, spirit-filled word of God, it's as if Jesus says to them in their spirit, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And I'm hearing story, like right now, right now, in these weeks, I'm hearing story after story of people in our community who were looking for a connection with God, who were opening his word and who Jesus is speaking to them. And it shakes them up, it wakes them up, it makes them start to maybe think that this whole Jesus thing is real and that maybe Jesus actually does know them and maybe Jesus actually cares about them. And this is what happened to Nathaniel Bartholomew when he discovered that Jesus knew him supernaturally before Philip met him. This was Nathaniel's response. Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Isn't this cool? Isn't this amazing that Philip did not have to take on all the responsibility of explaining to Nathaniel who Jesus is? He didn't have to know every answer. He didn't have to take on the burden of being a walking encyclopedia of everything Jesus related because that stops us from really connecting with folks is not having the answers. You don't have to be a walking encyclopedia of everything Jesus related. All that Philip said was come and see. And Nathaniel got there then by himself. He had his epiphany. He had his light bulb moment. He received the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. 
And I invite you that if you're longing for your friends or your family to come to know Jesus, but you're afraid of being insufficient for the task, you're afraid of not having the right answer, that you're afraid of not being able to explain the Bible to your friend, remember these three words. Come and see. Let Jesus reveal himself to your friends. You you can tell them your story just like Philip did. You can listen to their objections or their doubts, just like Philip did. And you can relax knowing that you're not responsible for getting them through the door into the kingdom of heaven. That's not your job. That's Jesus's job. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. All that you need to do is to make the introduction to say, come and see. To open up the Bible app. And put the words, who is Jesus, into the Bible plan search window. And then to choose to go through a plan with your friend. Or to give them a Gospel of John. And say, read it over the next week, over the two weeks. And then let's meet. And you just tell me any of the questions that you have. You don't have to have all the answers. All you need to do, like Philip, is to respond to Jesus' call, follow me. And then to go to your friend and say, come and see. And this began Nathaniel's journey. Now, when Nathaniel came to Jesus, Jesus said to Nathaniel, I know you. I saw you under the fig tree. And then Nathaniel said to Jesus, I know you. You are the son of God. And then Jesus said to Nathaniel, you haven't seen anything yet. Or in the actual words of the Bible, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Or, in my words, you haven't seen anything yet. And this is the beauty of someone coming to Christ. They realize that Jesus knows them, all their successes and their sins, all their character and their crimes, their history and their hopes, their longings and their loves. Jesus knows them. He saw them under the fig tree. This is known as grace, that Jesus knows you. And then comes the next step, that they know Jesus. They say to him, I know you. They have a revelation. They have an epiphany that Jesus is who he says he is. This is salvation. And what follows then is a lifetime of transformation, of sanctification, of maturity, of increasing faith and knowledge. This is growth. And so when Jesus says, you're impressed that I saw you under the fig tree, you're going to see greater things than this. We should take him at his word. We've not seen anything yet. And any of us who've been following Jesus for any length of time know that it just gets better and better and better and better. Now to uh, allow us a moment to respond at the end here. I want to read another one of our lectionary scriptures this morning. Uh, Psalm 139. And as you're listening to these verses quietly read from the Word of God, I want you to respond to however God is calling you. Maybe He's saying to you, maybe to follow me. If He is calling you to follow Him, I encourage you, you know, just to give Him your yes. Or maybe He's inviting you to 
to invite your friend, a specific friend, someone who is laying on your heart to come and see. If he is, then I, I invite you to give him your yes. Let's just have a moment in quiet as we listen to Psalm 139 and as you listen to what the Lord is saying to you and as he speaks to you, you know, just whisper back to him, yes, yes. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too great for me to understand. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me.